Welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 22nd edition of the Rambling Brews Podcast, captained by me, yours truly. They call me Tim, but my lady calls me handsome, and this week, back again like he forgot his keys, my brother Ray joins for the duration of the podcast. How's it going, boss? What's up, Timmy? Uh, Before we get started here, my appearance today brought to you by Tandem Diabetes Care. (laughs) Now with Control IQ, advanced hybrid closed-loop technology on the T-Slim X2 insulin pump, you can turn your good control into great control. All right, carry on. Is that a, is that a personally endorsed product that you use over there? <laughs> it is. It's a hell of an insulin pump. <laughs> <laughs> I used the, the Medtronic 715 for years and just switched last year, and boy, am, is it paying dividends already. I love it, man. Hey, if you've got diabetes out there, make sure you listen to Ray. He knows. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, how's it going? How you been, uh, how you been holding up? What have you been up to? I've been up to absolutely nothing besides getting bombed in our last two beer league games. Just Uh, awful stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like, and I hate to be this guy, but I felt like I was starting to find my game last time, but we got pumped and our goalie was horrible. Um, not our normal goalie. It was, uh, yeah, it wasn't Veda. If we had Veda, we would have won that game, but it was our uh, it was it was a fill in who's been up and down for us a little bit, but uh, it's all right. We'll bounce back when we get back out on the ice. And yeah, I mean, I haven't been doing doing a hell of a lot either, man. I haven't been doing much. I've just been watching hockey every night, you know, chugging some beers and just <laughs> living go. the dream over here. Um, and speaking of that, I know it's actually been a couple weeks since I've done any beer tasting. And I knew I wanted to have a beer tasting with you on this week. So you mentioned to me today when I was texting you that you had a uh, Great Lakes. I don't know what Great Lakes you got, but I went to Sheets and I got a Great Lakes IPA. Um, it just has Great Lakes IPA. Like apparently it has no flavor. Or <laughs> it's just like standard. Yeah. Number one and, IPA. And I don't want to get too sentimental, but the reason I bought it is because my, uh, my late grandmother, she always said when she died, she wanted to come back as a red bird. And it had a big red bird on the uh, on the can. Now she would probably be mortified that I was drinking beer, but <laughs> that, that's a different story for a different day. But that's what I got. But yeah, it's it's literally a Great Lakes IPA. It doesn't say anything. It says the flavor. There's no flavor, but it says it's bright and citrusy with a breezy, aromatic hop. I probably butchered that word. A uh, hop blend, aromatic. There you go. Hop blend and clean malt flavor. Our lightly filtered American IPA is as bright, bracing, and as inviting as the beautiful lakes we call home, the Great Lakes of Cleveland, Ohio. So employee-owned, by the way. So that's what I'm going with. What uh, what Great Lakes do you have? So it's funny that on your Great Lakes beer, they're bragging about the, their pristine Great Lakes they have. On mine, it's <laughs> I got the Burning River, which is the you know the river in Cleveland was so polluted that it caught on fire at one point. That's a little homage <laughs> to that. So I grabbed that one. Oh shit! I love that. I love that. This is six and a half percent alcohol. Um, so it actually, I mean, it's it's like a bright blue can. It looks like it's got a little beach scene, some sailboats in the background. Like there I said, the go. red bird on the branch. Um, looks like a little flamingo or something there on the sand. So I'm going to go ahead and crack it and, uh, we'll crack these and give it a score. It's been a couple of weeks, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, if the palette changed off the Coors Lights I've been drinking. Sounds good. I'll do the same. Oh yeah. 
It's definitely citrusy for sure. Sweet. This is like a perfect, like the, the can is perfect, right? Because like this would be like a perfect beer to be just chugging whenever you're like at the beach with the family or something. But let me take another sip. And mine is 6% alcohol by volume. The can's really cool. Uh, it has this drawing of the river just completely <laughs> immersed just in, flames. in flames. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they have like the buildings popping up in the background. I've actually had this one before. This is uh, Great Lakes is one of my favorite beers whenever I grab a variety pack. Dude, what's the... Just they have a beer thing. that's like... Um, it, it, yeah, I, I used to get the variety pack. I've never had this IPA, but... It was like, uh, I don't know if it's like Ella Fitzgerald or something like that. Like, it, it's something along those lines. I and think that's, it's called the the wreck of the Edmonds Fitzgerald, if, I, if I'm I I think that's it. Yeah, that. yeah. I like that one. And then they it comes with like a porter, which I'm not a porter guy, as you could probably guess if you've listened to any episode of this podcast. And um, there's a couple of them that I like, but this one I haven't had. But this one is actually pretty good, man. I actually you- like this beer. You know, I, I know you don't have a history podcast here, but are you aware of what the Edmund Fitzgerald is? Please enlighten me. So this was a ship that sank. I think it was in 75. It's ridiculous that I knew that just right off the top. <laughs> um, it was a big freighter that got caught in a storm and sank in Lake Superior. And the only reason I know that is there was this incredibly long <laughs> way too long probably like seven or eight verses song by Gordon Lightfoot called The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald that's all about that that I remember my grandpa listening to when I was uh <laughs> when I was a kid and it just random facts stuck with me but that uh that one I've definitely had before I think all their beers are pretty damn good actually yeah like I said I'm not a porter guy so I haven't had that one um but yeah I, I've liked everything and that's insane that you pulled that story out of your ass I respect the hell out of that go, but go ahead and check that song out if you have about 11 minutes to spare because it just keeps going <laughs> what's this what's the name of the song again <laughs> the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot all right hey, any listeners out there check it out 11 minutes it'll be worth your time for sure I'll definitely check it out <laughs> you didn't have that on the agenda today to be talking about Gordon Lightfoot I know for a fact you didn't but I'm glad <laughs> I, I don't even know up. who I, I didn't even know who that was until 30 seconds ago that you mentioned it. So, but that's the beauty of the Rambling Brews podcast, man. You learn something new every day. You crack um, some brews and you start rambling, brother. <laughs> uh, but for this this score, man, I, I think on a, on a scale of one to five stars for the Morel meter, this is actually pretty damn good, man. I, I agree with your take that the Great Lakes make some good beers, and maybe we're a little biased because we're kind of close to. Uh, to the brewing company here and they they have them all over the place here in western pa but i'm gonna actually give this like a 4.1 i think this is really really good this is this is delicious is that out um, of five because that's not uh, yeah. great if that's out of ten okay good no no out of five stars yeah five stars <laughs> this one the burning legs i'm actually going to give it a 4.2 this is one of my favorite beers actually um and i i don't think i'm biased towards cleveland i think the fact that you and i are talking about how good this beer is it being from Cleveland, <laughs> being Pittsburgh guys, I think that just proves how delicious it is. Uh, I, I actually tried these ones first at my uh, company. We used to have these beer Fridays where they would just crack open the beer fridges starting around 3 o'clock, and we got to try all different kinds of beers, and this one was one of my favorites. Dude, so I, I remember when uh, you know my wife used to work the same place you did, and she would <laughs> tell me about that, and I'm like, fuck, dude, how do I get a job there? And then like, whenever I... Uh, you know, one of my, my, my first job I had, we had like a celebration after. So I was an external auditor and we used to, um, 
you know, whenever we filed the audit at the end of the year or whatever, we would, uh, or it was like a, a month or so after the year end, we'd, we'd have like a big party and people would bust out the beer and the, sh- and like vodka and stuff. And we'd have a party in the office. And I was like, this is awesome. And then when my wife's like, yeah, every Friday we get to go down and get free beer at this fucking place. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I would never quit that place. I would Start- never leave there. Well, I've been there for about nine years. So, I mean, <laughs> they <hooked> you. <laughs> that's how they get you, man. That's awesome. Uh, but those are some damn good scores. So if you, anybody's out there listening, uh, you know, try the Great Lakes. If you can get them in your area, I'm sure you can get them around here, obviously, and in, in, in the tri-state area. I know we got some listeners in different states, but uh, Great Lakes, man. Bre- Great Lakes Brewing Company up in Cleveland, Ohio. They're, they're making some good beers right now. You know, the world's starting to open up again. You're going to start going over to your buddy's place. Bring something with you. Don't be a jabroni. Stop and get a variety pack. The Great Lakes one's a good one. Snag that before you walk through the door. You know, Dude, that reminds you gotta, me. You know, stop at Giant Eagle. Get some of those those uh, those sugar cookies. Everyone loves this. Come on. Oh, those are fire, dude. That reminds me, though, that you mentioned guess. that. So my brother-in-law, Andrew, uh, he's the man. But whenever I, I was first meeting him, uh, my sister was just you know starting to date him. And I was down there in Virginia where they live. And we were going over to his place. I think we were, dude, it was back in, I think it was 2013, I want to say. It was when the Penguins were playing the blue jackets in the playoffs and it was the year they beat them and then they went and they beat the islanders and then they end up losing i think it was was it 13 yeah they lost to the boston i think it was i'm pretty sure it was we brought it, why do we always do this to ourselves we bring that up every single time i'm on we end up talking about that loss to the bruins i know really i don't want to get i don't want to get that far but <laughs> but i just remember because you said like don't be a jabroni and bring something to somebody's place right yeah. so we go to the beer store down there and i got a 12 pack of yingling okay and because I was like, ah, I don't know what kind of beer he likes. Yingling's pretty good. I'm not sure if he's a light beer guy, so I'll go with the Yingling. So I'm sitting there, and my wife Sarah and my sister Maddie are getting ready. And you know how women are; they take forever to get ready. So I'm I'm sitting there just bored out of my <laughs> fucking mind, dude. So I'm like, okay, nobody's well paying attention. I'm gonna crack a beer. <laughs> so I I open it and I drank one beer, and then my sister was completely mortified. Still doesn't let me live it down to this day that I showed up to. Uh, I guess my future brother-in-law's place, but at the time they were just starting to date with 11 beers out of a 12 pack. But I think he respected it more than anybody. Cause it was like, what was I supposed to do? I'm just sitting here fucking waiting for you guys to get ready. <laughs> I'm going to crack this beer. And I, I, I would have done the same in it. And, or, I mean, I, I feel like he would have done the same, but that, that just reminded me whenever you were talking about that. So funny. no one's going to judge you on that. And if you get stuck in that situation where you, you're <laughs> actually concerned about the number you brought, the trick is the second you walk through the door, you pretend to be opening the case, even though it was already cracked. And then you hand him one and then crack one yourself like, oh, yeah, this already got started. And then, you know, you put it on the <laughs> counter and no one's keeping track at that point. That's the See, that's why it. that's why you're a veteran, man. Yeah. You're a veteran in the game. <laughs> but uh, hey, this this past week's been awesome for the NHL. we got to get right into it. Oh, yeah. um, the semifinals are set. So you and I are recording this right now on Friday night. Uh, the semifinals are set with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. They beat the Colorado Avalanche. We'll dive into each series here in a minute, but they're going to play the Montreal Canadiens, who ousted the Winnipeg Jets in four games. And then the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning will play the New York Islanders, who Tampa Bay beat Carolina, and the Islanders ousted the Boston Bruins. So it's pretty crazy, man. I think the first game is on Sunday. I think it's the Isles, and the Lightning will play Sunday. But... What did you think of the Islanders Bruins series, man? Like overall, I know I talked about it a little bit, um, you know, on the last episode, but the last couple of games and and what were your what was your take on it? 
Well, that's not exactly how I thought it was going. I think we both talked about that. We thought that Boston was going to kind of steamroll them, uh, get good goaltending from Tuka Rask, but that is such an annoying team, and Barry Trotz is such a good coach. You know, there'll be long stretches of pay where, play where they're buried in their own zone, just cycling, trying to tread water. Someone makes one mistake, and then you got you got a guy like Paul Mary, or you got a clutterbuck just goes on a streak down the zone and they score. They, they got to be one of the most frustrating teams to play that I've seen in years. Yeah, they're definitely like just. I mean, you got to give them credit. You got to tip your cap oh, to yeah. them. Like, oh yeah, Trotz is incredible. He really is. He just he figures out the other team's strengths and they spend all their focus trying to frustrate them and get them away from that. And it works a lot. I mean, he, he's one of the, and you hit the nail on the head. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NHL and Mm -hmm. he, he was playing some, um, you know, some gamesmanship games a little bit, you know, with the, with the officials. I don't know if you saw that, but I think it was after game four, maybe game. uh, Yeah. I think it was after game four. He came out basically and said, you know, Hey, Patrice Bergeron is a great player in the NHL. He's a veteran. He's a hall of fame caliber player, but he cheats on the faceoffs. And I wish he's like, I I trust the uh, officials, the veteran officials in the NHL. They're going to come out and they're going to be able to regulate that. And they're going to stop him from doing that. And it's really impacting the series. And sure as shit, the next game, Patrice Bergeron got kicked out of three faceoff draws, two in the first period. And it, it's crazy how coaches work the uh, work the officials like that. Because after that game, after Game Five, Bruce Cassidy, the coach of the Boston Bruins, he came out and he said, "You know, things that the Islanders are getting away with, we're not getting away with. They're not. You know, he, I, I think he coined them the New York Saints, which is fucking all time just hilarious. <laughs> that they just don't commit any penalties, and they were one of the least penalized teams in the NHL this year. I think they were like 29th or 30th in terms of penalties called against them." But he was basically saying, you know, they paint a narrative over there, um, you know, in Long Island that they're just a hardworking team. They're within the rules, but they're committing penalties just like anybody else. And he tried to work the officials as well. And he got a couple power plays in game six, uh, but ultimately it, it didn't work out. So I just wonder what your thoughts were on that. Like, is it is it smart to go after the officials? I think the way Barry Trotz did it was smart. He basically said, like, hey, Patrice Bergeron's cheating. And uh, I understand he's a veteran player. No knock on him. He's a Hall of Fame kind of guy. But, you know, we trust the officials will get this right and they'll be able to sort it out. But Bruce Cassidy basically came out and he said, you know, hey, basically he was like, they're not calling the penalties on the uh, on the Islanders. They're only calling them on us. And he got dinged up for 25K. I'm sure oh, yeah. his family was not too happy about that. It's chump change if you think about it in terms of NHL coaches. But 25 grand is 25 grand. So it, it was it really worth it? Like, what's your take on, on on kind of criticizing the officials in the middle of a playoff series? I I don't. Know, I feel like it never works out for you. Um, <laughs> well, what what you said, what Trotz did is he he kind of started with the you know eased into it like oh Bergeron's such a good player, but you know he definitely he definitely does some stuff that maybe people should take a look at versus saying. Um, you know, Cassidy was about as subtle as a brick to your head there. The way that he was just like. <laughs> The officials, they have such egos, probably because a lot of them are, are failed NHL players. They want to do it, but they just, you know, they, they couldn't get it all together. They could right. skate well enough. So any single time you go right at them and criticize them, it's not going to work out in the long run. Um, and everyone knows that. So, like, it's it's tough to do, though, in the, in the emotions of a series, especially playing against a team like the Islanders, who do get away with all kinds of things, but in the same way that New Jersey did in the 90s. It's a lot of real subtle picks and and holds and interference and hooks when people aren't looking and those kind of things 
build up. The problem is when the players get frustrated at it and then try to retaliate because they're, you're always going to get dinged in the retaliation penalty. So number one standard in the NHL. Not the first guy that does it. It's the second one who always gets the call. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you always you're always going to get caught if you try to do that or you retaliate. I think mm-hmm. the one thing that you mentioned about the officials, I think what they should do and what people have been calling for for a long time, and I don't think the NHL or any sport really will ever do this, but they should make the officials available for like media uh, questioning after the games. Like hold them accountable if they miss a call. I mean, there's been like in Game Six, Kyle Palmieri basically came. He came around the net, and Charlie McAvoy was all over him, and it was a good play, just a physical play. It's been a physical series, but he got frustrated and he threw an elbow or like a shoulder up and caught Charlie McAvoy in the chin, uh, caused him to bleed a little bit, might have knocked a tooth or two out, and no call. It's just like some of the things, like some of the things that get let go in NHL games, and some get called. It's just like maybe hold these officials accountable a little bit, but I'm sure the NHL doesn't want to put their referees in that position. But I always think that's potentially like a, a way you could possibly stop the the inconsistency of the calls. The only thing consistent about the NHL officiating is the inconsistency. Right. And it's, it, <laughs> yeah, it, right. yeah, which is like a, a shame. You know, it's like it drives you fucking nuts. And every team goes through it. It's not like it's the Bruins that were getting screwed or the Penguins are getting screwed or the Capitals, whoever it is. At some point in the season, every team feels like they're getting bent over by the officials. And, I mean, the it, it was crazy, too, because, like, the Nassau Coliseum fans, and we can talk about them, uh, packed house up there, just a great crowd. They were just chanting. I mean, they had New York Saints shirts. They were playing the fucking – there was people out there with, like, tubas and trombones and shit before the game playing, oh, when the Saints go marching it. Dude, it was fucking hilarious. Like, they were just, they were just owning it. And – uh yeah, you know, Bruce Cassidy, I think, kind of looked like a dumbass for for saying that. In well, my yeah, opinion, well, you don't want to give the other team extra ammo, and they took that right. and they rolled with it, and they ended up winning the series. So, I mean, it is what that is. Um, the NHL does a bunch of things. I, I mean, you and I both agree we love hockey more than any other sport, but the league just does so many bonehead things. Whether it's the Department of Safety just refusing to to protect the star players, or the analysts who are X, you know, we talked about that a little bit last time, third and fourth line goons <laughs> who just bury all the good players and then really, oh, he's a real good, hardworking Canadian boy. So, <laughs> like, that's another thing with the officiating, too. They, the teams that are less skilled, who work really hard to do some of that gamesmanship and get away with the extra holes and stuff, those are the ones that the, uh, you know, the league protects and that the analysts kind of cheer for. And then they admonish guys like, Nathan McKinnon, who's an unbelievable player, is incredibly frustrated because he was getting tripped and, and held and, and, and interfered with the whole time. Like, they do, you should do a better job, just like the NBA and the, and the uh, NFL does, protecting the stars. You know, the, the best part about the game is when someone does an incredible deke around someone and a pass, a no-look pass across the ice and buries it. That's when the game's the most entertaining. Instead, you have guys like that fourth line for the Islanders that the, the analysts are like, oh, these guys are absolutely incredible. The hardest working fourth line in hockey. Those are not the guys that they should be trying to market and cater the game to. Right. If you're trying to go to the game, and, and I'm, I'm not downplaying, and I don't think you're downplaying it, 
either, like the importance of having depth and like having oh, Sezikis no. and Matt Martin and, and Kyle Clutterbuck no, you, and those you, guys. I, but like, I'd love if that whole line was on the Penguins, but I'm just saying the fact right. that the league, when they're selling that to a casual audience, those that's not what's entertaining about it. Grinding the game to a, a halt, it's not. They treat, it, they treat it as if like the guy that chips the puck in deep and gets a change is the equivalent to Connor McDavid buzzing up through the ice, dangling through three guys. Pulling the puck it. between everyone's legs and then right. roofing it. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah exactly. And we could, exactly. we could talk about that for days, and we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, and I have. It's like, that's just the NHL's problem. And the one thing I wanted to point out with the New York Islanders is Matt Barzell. I talked about him last week. So he was. we were talking about him whenever you were on last, Ray, and then, the uh, the week after that, I was talking about how he res- he really wasn't showing up. He he was kind of like just flying under the radar a little bit. He got shut down a good bit in the uh, series against Pittsburgh, and then he's been showing up, you know, unreal recently. He's been he, great. He's been scoring. Looked like left a and completely right. different player against Pittsburgh than he did against Boston. Yeah, just, I don't, he turned it up to the next level. I don't I don't know what what happened, what made him take, or, or if maybe Pittsburgh, you know, if we did actually a, a really good job shutting him down, but he looked incredible against Boston in that whole series. Yeah, I don't know if he's like, you know, if he saw the pucko in the net and he got confidence or whatever the case is, but it just reminded me of the 20, I think it was a 2015 draft, okay? Mm-hmm. The Boston Bruins had three selections in a row. They had number 13, number 14, number 15. They selected number 13, Jakob Zobril, whoever that is, never played a <laughs> lick in the NHL. <laughs> right. They selected number 14, Jake DeBrusque. He's in the NHL. He's having a tough, you know, he had a tough year, but he's been a regular for the Bruins the last couple of years. Number 15, they selected Zach, uh, I think it's like Senshian, something like that. But anyway, he didn't play a lick in the NHL either. All that you need to know is the trouble you had pronouncing their names. That just shows that they are not someone who's been around, you know? So, um, and exactly. Then Bar- didn't, didn't Barzell go after all that? So, yeah, exactly. So the very next pick, 16, Matt Barzell, 17, Kyle Connor to Winnipeg, 18, Thomas Shabbat to the Ottawa Senators, one of the best young defensemen in the league. Later in that round, Brock Besser to Vancouver, Anthony Beauvillier to the New York Islanders. Talk about, I mean, whoever <laughs> the fuck drafted for the Boston, Boston Bruins, my God, dude. Three picks in a row, and you got one out of three, and you missed out on Barzell, one of the most surefire young stud players in the NHL. Bavillier, Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, Brock Besser, Ilya Samsonov, the goaltender for the Capitals, went after that. Like, what in the blue hell? I mean, that, that it's a bad look for the Bruins, especially whenever you you see how they played against the uh, the Islanders in this series and how Barzell dominated. It's got to rub the salt in the wound a little bit for a Bruins fan. Oh, absolutely. It's always fun. I, I like what you did there, just going back to the old draft seeing. I, I always enjoy <laughs> seeing now. which teams, you know, what you could have done. Um, you know, <laughs> over the last year, there's a lot of downtime. And I one time I was texting my one buddy, and we went through and we picked the team. Oh, are we cracking a second? All right, let's go. Yeah, I crushed that IPA. I had to get back to Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, what's really fun to do, you pick a team – and then you go with like a five or 10 year period, whatever you want to figure out and see what kind of team they could have put together. The easiest one to do that with is the Oilers. It's insane that they're not a perennial, you know, cuff contender. With they should have the won multiple Stanley Cups have. by now. It is it, they had like three or four first overall picks in like a six year span. 
Oh, well, there you go. 2015, it was Peter Chiarelli, who also, didn't he go to Edmonton afterwards and butcher that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, was it was it Chiarelli in 15 for the Bruins? For the Bruins, was, was, yep, yeah. Yeah, so he went to he went to Edmonton and absolutely <laughs> and but- shat the bed. <laughs> so, so he butchered it for the Bruins and then went to Edmonton. And I, that's, that's hilarious. It's the exact team I was just talking about. And then he just made wrong choice after wrong choice. Now, granted, honestly, dude, granted, like, it's it's tough to evaluate. I'm sure oh, yeah. those guys that they selected were good players and juniors or in Europe or wherever the hell they were. But, like, to look at that list and see Matt Barzell, Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, Brock Besser, and Anthony Bavillier, and Ilya Samsonov, five, or what is it, six, if my math is right, NHL starting players and good players after them, and then you can criticize but it, it, it just a bad look. If you're a Boston Bruins fan or in that organization, you got to be just shaking your head and you know pounding your head against the wall because, like, I mean, Jake DeBrusque is a good player, but you had three straight selections and you basically got nothing. Right. And it, it, it's it's a shame. Um, you know, I feel I feel for Boston Bruins fans and and the the Bruins organization because Barzell was really lighting them up. But yeah, the Islanders they move on. They win in Game Six. And uh, really a dominant performance. I mean, the depth of that team, we talked about it a little bit a second ago with uh, the fourth line there with uh, Clutterbuck and uh, Matt Martin and Casey Zizekas. But the, the Boston Bruins have no depth whatsoever. I mean, they have uh, their top lines, Bergeron, centering uh, Marshawn and Pasternak, great line. And then you got got uh, David Krejci, who really didn't do anything in the series, with Taylor Hall, who struggled. And then uh, Craig Smith on the other side, that line didn't do anything. And then the bottom six was, I mean, Charlie Coyle, I don't even know if he played. I mean, I know he played, but you know what I'm saying. Like, he he, he, didn't, he wasn't out there. Like, he was he was out there, but he wasn't out there. It was just like, I don't know what's going on. But their bottom six didn't show up. And, and the depth of the New York Islanders and their back end, their blue line, just really took it to them. And, and we, we talked about with uh, Bruce Cassidy trying to buy penalties for the Bruins. You know, and when they were taking more penalties – they couldn't kill a penalty to save their life, dude. Right. At the end of the day, you got to kill a penalty. Like you, you're you're gonna get, you're gonna have calls go against you. That happens to every team, and maybe you think they're outweighing it, or maybe you think that the other team's not getting the calls that you're getting, or whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, man, you got to kill penalties. And their goaltender Tuka Raski, I saw, um, I think it was yesterday, he had a torn labrum. He's gonna get hip surgery uh, this summer. So you wonder, like, what the fuck was he even doing in there? And like I was listening a hip to injury for a goalie is, I mean, yeah, your like, whole range of motion is that moving side to side quickly, and you can't do that if you have a problem with your hips. You and know? if you just watch the games, you could tell he wasn't himself. I, right. Early in the series, he looked pretty solid, but he was definitely battling an injury. And you know, I, I, I was listening to Elliot Friedman's podcast, and he was saying he he brought up an interesting point. He said like, you know how last year. Uh, Tuka Rask, he had a family emergency, like his daughter or something was sick, and I don't want to get into all that. I don't know the details, but he left the bubble in the playoffs, and uh, a lot of Boston Bruins fans were upset that he did that. But, he, I mean, he did what anybody would do, your family, your kid. I mean, your kid's more important than, than hockey. Oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. And, that comes and first. she was yeah, – exactly. And she was, you know, dealing with something or whatever, so he went home. And Elliot Friedman mentioned, you know, maybe – he was so hurt this year, but he was thinking, you know what? I can't, I can't let these let my teammates down I again. I can't know, let the yeah. organization down again. I can't let the fans down again. And he played. And if you're Bruce Cassidy, the coach, I mean, if if Tuka Rask comes into your office and says, "I'm ready to go. I can play," I mean, you're gonna you're gonna trust him. 
But I'm not saying, you know, their backup goalie uh, Swayman would have got the job done, but, you know, it just it seemed like Tuka Rask was really just laboring out there, and it, it, it was it was tough to watch. But, you know, they, credit to the Islanders. They, they got the job done. Well, that's been the story of the playoffs this year so far is it doesn't really matter how talented your team is. I mean, and it's, it's not just this year. This happens time and time again. If you run into a hot goalie, someone who's on, it doesn't matter what your system is. It doesn't matter how many stars you have. That's the number one thing that can get you far in the Stanley Cup playoffs is your goalie being lights out. Look what, look what Montreal's doing right now. That's a good segue because, like, I was going to talk about that. They haven't given up. They, they haven't been trailing. The Montreal Canadiens have not been trailing in a game in their last seven games. It's been over 420 minutes of hockey. They have not been trailing since game four of the first round series against Toronto. So they won game five, they won game six, they won game seven. They swept the Jets. Seven straight games. They haven't been trailing a second, not That's one second. absolutely absurd. That's an absurd statistic if that was in the regular season. Like, even if you're going through a stretch where you make a trip against a couple of bad teams or teams that are beaten up. But in the playoffs, that's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, it's baffling, dude. I, I think it's like 10 or 15 minutes away from the NHL. I don't know if it's the NHL record or Montreal record. I think in the 70s, the, well, you know, the Canadians mean, mo- were Well, I mean, most of the NHL records are also the Montreal records <laughs> because for, what, 40 years there were six teams and they got all the French-Canadian players, so of course they won. It was like, <laughs> yeah, they won like 24 Stanley Cups <laughs> back yeah. in the day. Yeah, exactly. They have, I think they have 26 total, but like, it, it's crazy just that streak they've been on and I, I could have never dreamed in a million years that the uh nope. Montreal Canadiens would be a final four team in the NHL playoffs and did you see the um the Jeff Petrie injury in this series did I you did. see how ridiculous that was no I didn't see that he was like going back for a puck he was battling with somebody and he got he got like bumped up against the boards and he got his hand caught in the hole in the glass where they put the camera. No. Broke his finger and he missed like the last two games. And he apparently he's hopefully gonna be back for the Canadians for game one. But he, he broke his finger. He got his hand stuck in the hole. Like it was the it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I was like, how does that like what are the chances of that happening? I, I don't know how I missed that. And also that's just absurd. And if if you don't know what Tim's talking about, it all the games in the glass there's a, a small circular hole, probably about what, like seven, eight inches in diameter. Just it's not big enough big. to like fit the camera lens. Just in, to fit a camera lens through, so they get those really cool pictures. <laughs> and if you're at the game, I think they actually cover it up sometimes. Like they they had the ability to like put a little glass piece in there, but that's that's ridiculous. Something that's completely unnecessary to the game that causes a player to get injured in the playoffs. You can't have that happening. Yeah, it, it like I, I couldn't believe that. Like, what are the chances? And you feel for Jeff Petrie, he's having a hell of a year. I think he'll be back. Uh, but you wonder what's gonna happen if he's got if he's playing with a broken finger, um, you know, and people can laugh at that and say, Oh, it's a broken finger, what the hell? But dude, like your hands are your, your livelihood in the <laughs> NHL. Like exactly. I mean you gotta be able to make the play. So especially on defense. But just to, to to break your finger and have an injury resulting in you getting your fucking fingers stuck in a in the hole in the glass for the camera is crazy um and I, I wanted to point out to Pierre Luc Dubois I talked about him a couple uh you know on earlier episodes whenever he got traded for Patrick Laine he had no goals in his last 24 games he came out after the season and basically said you know I'm not injured um I'm not injured more than anybody else you know just bumps and bruises I haven't played well I'm, I've got to be better and like 
especially with Mark Shifley getting suspended, which did you see Mark Shifley's comments after the series, Ray? You know, when he got suspended for that hit, I talked about it last week that I thought it was a little bit harsh of a suspension. I don't know what your take was, but he came out basically and said like, I thought, I mean, I, I always think that the department of player safety goes light on people just because they don't want to be the ones that are getting a whole fan base against them. Um, what, what was his comment though? I didn't. I heard the ones immediately after the hit, basically not apologizing, just saying, you know. Well, yeah, he basically doubled down on it. Um, and, and and to your point, I I understand the Department of Player Safety going after him, and but I, my my uh my problem with it was that he had no prior history, and mm-hmm. a, a four game suspension is essentially in a playoffs is essentially a twelve Eight, gamer. Yeah, or, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, a, yeah, twelve gamer in the regular season, and. Like some of the shit you see in the playoffs that gets nothing. It's like I mean, but I don't want to debate that. Like his comments were, basically, he came out and he said, you know, I thought, uh, you know, Philip Deneau, the good young centerman for the Canadians, he's like, I thought Philip Deneau was gonna, um, you know, be trying to shut me down, but in reality, I got shut down by the Department of Player Safety. Like he he had no fucking remorse at all. Yeah. He basically was saying like the Department of Player Safety screwed us, and I I kind of understand his sentiment because. In the bubble, he got injured, and he couldn't play, and they got eliminated. And then this year, obviously, he got suspended, and he couldn't play, he couldn't and they got play. eliminated. So he couldn't He's be with their. Be frustrated, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He couldn't be there with his teammates. He's got to be a little bit frustrated, but it's just. And, and Shifley's a hell of a player. He's one of the oh, more yeah. underrated players in the league. He always finishes in like just out of the top ten in scoring, or just at the end of it, and people don't really. Him and Pavelski, like those. If you look at their points per game over the last like. 10 seasons they're, they're both incredible but at the same time I don't know if he would have made much of a difference in that series it was a sweep you know maybe they win a game if he's in there but uh the way Price was playing I just I don't I don't think I get that he's bitter but I don't think he would have made that huge of a difference no and if you're a Montreal fan I think you got to realize and I can understand if you don't, you're you're on a high right now. You didn't expect to be in the conference final. Right. You, you thought your general manager should be fired, but now he's looking like he's going to get a 10-year extension based on what you, he, the team's been doing and the, and the signings that he's made with Tyler He should Tifoli. just because he's one of the funniest people of all times, too. Oh, dude. Mark Bergevin, he's jacked. He's got nice lettuce. He's got great flow. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy. But like, Do you remember those? Oh, wait, real quick. Quick aside while we're rambling. Do you remember those... Um, those those commercials when he played for the pens, uh, the, the X generation one, there was one oh, where yeah. they, they had him sitting in a room and he looked exhausted and he had like glasses on and he's sitting there and he's just, and he, and it was a bobblehead and it was like, uh, I think it was a, <laughs> of Bob Air. He's like, why does he get a bobblehead? He, he's in there just like, <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Dude, the man, dude. He, he seems like such an awesome guy to play for. And, he, you know, he deserves all the credit. He he signed Tyler Toffoli. You know, he, he they, they've been a – I mean, they could have broke it down. They could have, you know, tore it down and, and rebuilt. But, like, they decided not to, and it's working out. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup. they got to go up against Vegas. But, like, it, you know, it's pretty crazy what they've been able to do. And have you seen, like, the um, – so, obviously, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast or been following along at all with the NHL playoffs, you know Montreal beat Toronto – in the first round, they came back. They were Toronto was up three one. Montreal came back one three straight, knocked them out. Did you see the CN Tower, which is like the, and it's like a Canadian national landmark. Basically, it's in downtown Toronto. It's like the Space Needle thing. They they turned it. It's in Toronto. 
Okay. Oh yeah, they, it's a yeah. At one point, I think it was the tallest building in the world. Um, yeah, they 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 lit it up with Montreal Canadiens colors. I saw that and I got secondhand embarrassment. Dude, that is I, just I mean, disgusting. That is horrible. Imagine like <laughs> Philadelphia going to a championship and. In, in the NFL or something like that, and the Steelers put up their get out of here. That's ridiculous. I yeah, like I, I know it's I know it's different. Like with you, with what you're saying with like the Philly and Pittsburgh thing, it's not a country, but that's what that's immediately the, the thought I got was like, if the Flyers go to the Stanley Cup and the Penguins are like represent Pennsylvania and put like black and gold up, like or, I mean a uh, fucking black and orange up. Give me a fucking break. Listen, that- wait, this isn't a politics podcast, but I'm against nationalism to begin with. Just the idea that like just because someone's from the same country <laughs> as you, you should be like, oh, just believe in what they're doing. But that's one of their biggest rivals. Like it's gutless. Yeah, Toronto. I'm, I was Mont- mad for them. You know, like for for Maple Leafs fans. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's absurd. That's absurd. And, and, and Maple Leafs fans. Speaking of Maple Leafs fans, man, they're having a rough go at it. And I, I wanted to I wanted <laughs> well, to play this. Oh, recently or just for, for no? The, since 1967, <laughs> but really since 2004. I've mentioned hundreds of times on this podcast they haven't won a playoff series since 2004. But I wanted to play this uh, song last week, but I forgot to, so I want to play it this week. And, and Ray, I can't wait to get your reaction on this. Have you seen the Wedding Singer, the movie? Of course, yeah. So course. one of the all-time great Adam Sandler movies. But this is this guy, this Maple Leafs fan, his take on The Wedding Singer, and I'm going to play it right now. I hope you guys enjoy this. This is fucking hilarious. My favorite sport is called hockey. And my favorite team is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They look so good all year long. Winds piling up constantly. I can't believe we finally have a cup contending team. But it all was bullshit. It was a goddamn joke. Cause every year at playoff time, the Maple Leafs fucking joke. <laughs> That's amazing. That's classic. You, you got to feel for Maple Leafs fans. I mean, they're getting bent over by their own city, putting up the Maple Leafs, or putting up the Canadiens colors, and then fans are making songs like that. It's crazy. Ugh, that's brutal. Who's, uh, whose idea was that? That's uh, not the guy who was smoking crack who was their mayor who put that up on the CN Tower, was it? No, no. no. I think he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Rob Ford, is that his yeah. name? <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. no idea if he's dead or not, but it was probably like Justin Trudeau or something like that, their prime minister. But hey, we'll digress from that. But um, it'll be interesting to see how the how the Canadians do in the next round. And I do want to talk about their opponent, the Vegas Golden Knights. So they beat the Colorado Avalanche. What a series, man! What a series that was. Like, I texted you a couple times during that, saying I wish this would be a best of twenty-one. Just like, oh that's, yeah, that's that was the best hockey. way to put it, man. I was oh, I was actually. Hockey. So we've talked about it on previous episodes, Ray, where I'm a, um, you know, my mistress team is the Avalanche. I wanted right. Colorado to win. I wanted McKinnon to get to the next round. You know, they've lost in the second round three straight years, uh, game seven twice, game six once. And I believe it was a year ago, whatever, they got kind of screwed on that. Um, or maybe it was two years ago against the Blues, they got screwed um, on a like a, a weak offside call that really wasn't offside. But at any rate, I wanted them to win and, you know, that whole series was just unbelievable to watch. Like it was, it was so much fun. And 
you know, you got to get, you got to tip your cap to Mark Andre Fleury. He played great. Oh. Um, was that was that two games ago? There was a stretch of the second period. Colorado was up two nothing, and they had scored on you know. And if you're a Pittsburgh fan, you know this. Every once in a while, Fleury will let up, trying to be a little extra flashy with the glove, and he'll let up a goal that can be kind of heartbreaking. Same thing happened. Um, I can't remember who took that shot. You know what I'm talking about with like 0.5 seconds left? Yeah, it was left. Brandon Saad from the... Oh, it was Saad from Gibsonia, yeah. PA. Yeah, um, Pittsburgh boy. Flurry kind of like came at it at like an awkward angle to get his glove over and just missed it. But then the whole second period, Colorado looked like they were in a different league than Vegas. They got just shot after shot, had them pinned in their zone the whole time, and Flurry was just looked like a break dancer out there, spinning on his head, flailing around, stopping everything, and then got the team going. And then, you know, Vegas came back and won that and then never looked back. I mean, yeah, I mean, like they've been they've been great. They've been great since they came into the league. I mean, they've been in the league for what? This is their what fourth year, fifth year. Yeah, it's kind of a shame this um, that series happened in the second round. Yeah, know? it's unfortunate that that was that was Stanley Cup final caliber hockey. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. it was so much fun to watch, man. And like uh, Nathan McKinnon, he went game three, game four, and game five without a point, and he was starting to get a little bit. Uh, you know, people were starting to talk and and question his abilities and if he was going to show up he had two assists in uh, game six um obviously they, they didn't get the job done philip grubauer had a tough game six mm-hmm. uh i mean samuel gerard the defenseman had a tough game six like vegas they just swarm you they play well but colorado i think i thought they could have won the series man but they they made so many just defensive mistakes i mean mistake after mistake yeah, they were they, just they, turning the puck over left and right they won the first two games as you mentioned of the series and they lost four straight games in in convincing fashion really i mean the first game they got they blew out uh, vegas cuz robin leonard started and flurry was getting a little bit of a rest and they won 7 to 1 but really from there i mean even game 2 you could say vegas deserved to win and they dominated. Um, it, it's a wonder what Colorado is going to do going forward. And and I don't know if you saw it, Ray, after the uh, after the game last night. Nathan McKinnon had uh, media availability, and Adrian Dater he he writes for some fanboy blog site. Um, it's insane that they let bloggers get into actually ask questions to the. Players. Did you see? <laughs> did you see his question? No, I didn't. He asked. He he said, "I, I I'm not going to say it like verbatim, but basically, I'll I'll summarize it." He he asked like basically, he said, "You know, do you guys think maybe you're thinking too much? You need to get back to the drawing board a little bit, and maybe next year you just don't think as much, and you go out there and say." And he said this in this fucking pro uh, post game press conference. Right, dipshit. He said, "Do you guys <laughs> think you guys should just say fuck it, just go out there and play and win this thing?" And McKinnon's just looking around like, no. That's all he said. He's like, no. And they just like moved on. I couldn't believe, A, the guy said, fuck it. He's supposed to be a media member. And B. That's why you shouldn't let. Yeah, that's why you shouldn't let fanboy bloggers on there. But like. During this podcast, I could go start a blog. You know, like it's, it's, there's no credentials involved. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's insane. And like before that, and I'm not saying he was drunk, but before, like an hour or two before the game, he (laughs) tweeted out like he was like, alcoholic, but (laughs) (laughs) he tweeted out like, Hey, if you guys are in the Colorado area, like, you know, I, I wasn't able to go to Vegas, but if you're at this bar, I'll be here and I'll buy your first round to like all his twitter followers i hate that kind of, i hate people who who write articles that are clearly 
boneheaded things. They might not even believe that way just to get clicks. That's that's frustrating. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and I mean, he got roasted, and he was basically, I mean, he's should. been trending all day on Twitter about how bad of a question it was, and people are pulling up, like, other bad questions from uh, reporters. The only good thing about it was Nathan McKinnon basically, he it wasn't, like, a direct result of Dater's question, but it was, he, he came out basically and said, like, you know, I'm frustrated, I'm playing my ass off, I've been in this league nine years, and I haven't won shit basically what he said and he, he seems like he's frustrated he's fed up and they've got some questions in Colorado man they've got Kale McCarr he's a young stud defenseman he's a uh, restricted got, free agent gotta pay him yeah yeah Gabriel Landis Coggs unrestricted free agent I figured they'll bring him back he's their captain um they've got some other pieces I mean Nazem Kadri I'd get rid of Nazem Kadri I know dude That's it's funny you talking about that. that last week yeah I didn't it's even funny realize you mentioned he was a UFA yeah yeah the last time you said or you were on we talked about that and it, it, it got me thinking about another player I would love to see maybe even more than Landis Cog be a Pittsburgh Penguin I know it will never happen it's actually two players the brothers uh one of the two I'd take them Matthew Kachuk and Brady Kachuk I would take either one of those guys. They're just they're good players and they're a fucking pests, dude. They just they just. Well, I was see, yeah, if they, uh, either of them were out there at the same time, Sid is. No one's going to be going after Sid because they're going to be too busy trying to take one of the Kachuk's heads off. Yeah, exactly. But you know, hey, it, hey, it's it's fun to speculate this kind of year. The Pens lost early when they shouldn't have. So I mean, it, it's it's fun to think of who's going to go to Seattle and that kind of stuff, doing that fantasy booking. Um, Talking about that press conference, though, that's I did, I got to read McKinnon's comments. I didn't hear that, but isn't he only like twenty five years old? I think he's twenty six. Yeah, he's got he's got two years 26. left. I think at six point three million, which is an absolute steal. I mean, what a dumb question! Like they were a really good team. You could maybe replay that same series ten times, and they might win eight or nine times. You know, but Mark Andre Fleury stood on his head. Vegas is one is an unbelievably opportunistic team. Yeah, they're they, a wagon, dude. And they have. They're really good too. Like I said, I mean, we talked about how you know that's like, it's such a dumb question to ask. Like, are you are you think we just go out there and play? Like that's what they were doing. But you know, it's really really hard to win in the NHL, and I think a lot of the media types forget about that. You know, well, um, Nazem Kadri he he got suspended. Obviously, he got suspended for eight right? games, and that basically makes that Colorado a one line team. Yeah. They're a one yeah. line team, and and they've got good depth, but like. They're not. They're not as good without Kadri. Not saying he's like the best player of all time, but just the balance of their lineup. Now, if you can shut down that top line of McKinnon and Landis Cog and Ranton, and, and I mean they produced, maybe not as much, you know, as much as they wanted to produce, but like, you know, they're they're a one line team. Even um, like more so behind that, whenever a player gets suspended or a player gets injured or something like that, there's a trickle effect through the rest of the lineup. So it's not even that they're, uh, you know. And especially with Kadri being a center, that's like one of the hardest positions to replace. You can lose a winger and move someone up and down the lineup a little bit, but if your your number two center is out, that's that's a huge deal. Absolutely. Um, against another really good team, it's, I, <laughs> I'm getting all angry about this comment now. I didn't even hear it yet, but that's, that's dude. That's not even, that's not even the worst comment. That's not even the worst comment I heard from the 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 media. Some fucking guy. I don't know who it was. But somebody basically, they didn't come out and say it explicitly, but they came out and basically were like, do you guys think, he, they asked McKinnon, do you think your window's closing? That's so stupid. I'm like, That's dude, his window's thing. not even open. He's 26. <laughs> they've got Rantanen. They've got McKinnon. They've got Makar. They've got Bo Byram, Philip Grubauer. I mean, they, they're they're going to be a dominant team for a long time. Now, That's I know the they're going to re-sign. They'll re-sign Landis Cog, 100%, I think. Um 
you know, and whatever McCarr's got to get, you know, he he gets paid. But I mean, McKinnon is arguably, I think he's the best player in the NHL for my money, and he's making six point three million. So, so even if you think Connor McDavid's a better player than McKinnon, and that's your opinion, that's fine. He's making twelve and a half sheets a year. Well, yeah, that, McKinnon's that, making six point three. So you're telling me that McDavid yeah, is you, <laughs> twice as better or twice as good as fucking McKinnon? No way. You, at, at least at this point on that contract, without a doubt, the best value player in the NHL. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Him, you, you could argue like Marshawn and uh, Pasternak and Bergeron, they're all, I mean, <laughs> Pasternak's making like 6.5 million. Like, but it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for Colorado and what they do in the off season. But, you know, it's, it's a tough, tough break for them, but you know, I I did see a, um I think it was Rob Rossi today. He put out a a tweet basically saying like you know um, McKinnon has I think it was three playoff series wins in eight years. McDavid has one in six years. Matthews has zero in five years, and then like in Crosby's in in that time frame with those guys, he had two Stanley Cup final appearances, one Stanley Cup final win, yep. bunch of playoff series wins, and at, at that point, some people didn't think that was enough. And it's it's very difficult to win in the NHL, man. It, it's tough. There's the parity is is ridiculous in the league, especially look at now. I mean, we talked about it already. Like Montreal has a shot at the Stanley Cup, and well, nobody year, two they years would in a row. The chance. Islanders are in the last four. Yeah, you know the one last thing I wanted to talk about with Vegas and Colorado was, um, Vegas, man, their fans are unbelievable. And I don't know if you saw the video, but I thought it was a, a, a scumbag move. But these Colorado Avalanche fans were, like, behind the glass, and they had their Avalanche flag, and some Vegas fan came up and uh, stole the flag at the end of the game and just ran off with it. And, uh, you know, obviously that it ended up being a big fight in the stands, and, like, the Vegas Golden Knights cheerleaders are running down the stairs trying to get away from it. I don't know if you that's saw just, that on the line. but That's just stupid. Just enjoy the win. Don't be petty. You know? Yeah, I saw people were saying online that like the Avalanche fans were taunting the Golden Knights fans before, and then somebody's like, "Well, if you go to a road arena, you shouldn't wear your jersey. You shouldn't bring your flag. No, fuck off, dude. I'm gonna wear whatever I want." There was man. all kinds of stuff with that going on. Like Tampa wasn't letting other teams or the, the Carolina fans bring their jerseys in. Right. I I think a lot of this is because and and NFL season hasn't even started yet, and there's already been a bunch of fights in baseball and, and in hockey games. <laughs> people have been stuck inside for a year and all those people that have all kinds of other issues that they, that went unresolved, and they didn't work through the second that they're drunk and they see someone else who lightly bumps into them. They're going to be trying to fight them. You're going to have a lot of hardos over the next <laughs> couple of months going out in public, you know? <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was a joke. And, and I think, um, you know, people are talking about how the Islanders fans are so great and the building is great. I, I would argue Vegas is right up there, man, but honestly, you know, Vegas, if you if you've ever been to Vegas, any listeners out there, if you've been to Vegas, you're probably waffled, dude. You're probably just they're the people at the game are probably just in one, man. They're just <laughs> crushing beers. They're, they're on, on they're something. Good. They're smoking, whatever the case is. They're fucking <laughs> drunk. They're having a Drinking, good time. Smoking, shooting, they're the only they're the only you. building in the NHL. <laughs> the only building is this is why you and you and I need to go to a game, Ray. But they're the only building in the NHL, I believe, that isn't required to stop serving beer after the second period. Because <laughs> fuck, everybody else is. I mean, they're just gonna go to the right? casino and spend all their money. Well, anyways, I mean, yeah, they're the they're. 
if you think about it, their direct competition aren't the other teams. It's all the other entertainment around. So if you, I mean, they, I'm, I never, see, never seen it, but I would guarantee you that they have slots and stuff somewhere in there. You know, they're doing whatever they can to get you to spend money there instead of somewhere else. Dude, they have fucking slots in the airport in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> You're like at your gate gambling away your fucking plane ticket. I, I can't tell you. So I was there when I was, I think I was 22. And or maybe it was 21. It was like spring break. My, Sarah and I went with my sister and my mom. We went out there. And and I, I couldn't tell you how many people were just like on the street corner. Just like I, I gambled away my plane ticket. Can you loan me 20 bucks and stuff like that? And I'm like, dude, this is <laughs> crazy out here, man. I went to Vegas one time and I don't think I'll ever go back. I had the absolute worst time there. But granted, I was also 17. I went with my... Uh, my mom, my sister, and my grandparents, so I couldn't actually do anything. But there, <laughs> you got to give it all, one more try. There was all kinds 21. of there was all kinds of medical issues. There was uh, <laughs> it was about 110 degrees. I couldn't go anywhere. It was pretty awful, and I haven't been back since. I'm 33 now. I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> I respect it. Um, but the the other series we haven't talked about, man, is the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes. And the only thing I really want to talk about in that is Nikita Kucherov. I talked about him last week, and he's been lighting up the score sheet. Oh, yeah. I wanted to get your take on the, like, so Dougie Hamilton, after the series was over and Carolina got beaten five games by Tampa Bay, he came out, you know, he's a stud defenseman for the Hurricanes. He's going to be a free agent this year. He probably won't be back in Carolina. I think he'll get a payday somewhere else. But, well, he's a defenseman that that's tall and can skate really well. He'll find a yeah. He'll get paid as 100%. much as you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he's a, he's a damn good player. But he basically came out and said like, you know, we we played a good series, but we got beat by a team quote eighteen million dollars over the cap close quote. So that's the the cap circumvention yeah. argument. What's your take on that with with uh, Kucherov? Because honestly, dude, almost every team in the playoffs is over the cap to some degree. But what's your take on, on the Kucherov situation? Yeah, that's happened. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but it was most of the last like eight teams left were all over in some way. I don't know. It's it's hard to – it's kind of – I'm going to take the um, my, my good friend Noithen, who I used to work with from New Zealand. <laughs> Whenever you get yourself – someone asks you a real tough question, you're not sure what to say, just goes, uh, hard to say, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't want to say anything, and then you know, next year in the playoffs, I got it, it's you know the Pens are ten million over the cap, and I'm like, oh, it's fine now. So I don't want. Well, I mean, there's nothing. I think I mean that's that's that that sounds like from Hamilton. He just lost, and they were. I mean, in each of these situations, um, you know, both with the officiating against Boston, and then also in this case, you know, Carolina versus Tampa. Sure, they might be over the cap, but like also at the same time, your GM could do the same things, and. Either way, you're still not going to beat Tampa in that series. They were just too good. You know, Kucherov's filling the net. Vasilevsky is another one of those goalies that when he's on, he looks unbeatable. That's a really good team there. Yeah, speaking of Vasilevsky, man, Rod Brendamore, the coach for the Hurricanes, he came after the game. He basically said uh, to Vasilevsky and to the media that Vasilevsky is the best goaltender he's ever seen play. Um, in any era in his entire life, he's played a position better than anybody ever. And I, I mean, it's hard it's to agree with that. He's yeah, fucking he's, unbelievable. He's incredible. And, yeah. and if you're, you know, and I, I understand your point, Ray, where like the other teams can do that. Other teams are over the cap. Like 
you can say that the the Tampa Bay Lightning did that on purpose, but at the end of the day, they had to sit their best player out the entire season. Now, I mean, yeah. I guess like you can say, oh, well, they knew they were going to make the playoffs, but nobody thought, you know, Kucherov would come out and be this dominant in the playoffs after missing the whole season. Absolutely, yeah. It's it, it it's a game of timing and inches. Um, and it, now he's a hell of a player, but still, you know. Even if that was your your top secret evil plan, like like Dougie, Dougie Hamilton's kind of suggesting, that's a pretty huge risk to leave your best player out just to try to get an edge up on the on the Carolina Hurricanes, and that's not exactly what I think happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean that that I don't want to agree with that either. I don't think that was what what they set out to do. I think they were just a beneficiary of the the rules, and they're not they're not doing anything illegal. They're not yeah. doing anything against the rules. They're in compliance with the cap. They're in compliance with everything. That's the way it goes. In 2015, Patrick Kane did the same thing. He missed, um, you know, the latter half of the season. They were able to go out and sign guys like Antoine Vermette. And um, I, I went over this on a, on a previous episode earlier in the podcast where, you know, teams have done it. And the, the NHL has no plans to close the loophole. Because um, at the end of the day, I mean, Kucherov, he's not playing the whole season. So, like, that's a risk you're willing to take. And their team's that damn good. Um they did have some cap issues this year that, you know, fortunately for them got resolved because of, you know, Kucherov being out with his hip injury. But, you know, it, it, I mean, like you said, this team has Mikhail Sergachev and Dennis Savard, who Dennis Savard, or sorry, David Savard, sorry, David Savard. He was like the biggest uh, D-man acquisition at the trade deadline. They're on the third pair, dude. Right. Right, yeah. Headman's Headman himself plays thirty minutes a game, and when he's out there, you're not going to score. He's yeah. just playing on a different level right now. They're they're deep, they're good. And they're the deepest team maybe in in the cap era history. Dude, Tyler no. Johnson's a good player. He's making like five million a year. He's playing fourth line. Like they they, I mean, their team is unbelievable, and they've got the best goaltender in the NHL. They've got the best D men in the NHL. They've, they've been got the best forward in the for NHL. Kucherov. Like it, it, it's it's unbelievable what they're doing, and, and and like Carolina, it didn't matter. Even if Kucherov didn't play, they weren't no. beating Tampa. No, the the only chance they had is if Vasilevsky would have gotten hurt, but you know, the, didn't happen. They're not going to beat them. You remember how good he was, um, in when the Pens, the year the Pens beat the Sharks in the Cup, we played them in the semifinals, and I remember in the first game Ben Bishop got hurt, and I'm like, well, this is going to be. A, this is going to be a cakewalk. And then that dude came in. I was like, who is this kid? And he was unbelievable. Ended up taking us to seven. And then, like, the Sharks seemed like an easy win after that. I remember thinking at that point, wow, they got something special once they kind of build up this team a little bit around it. And they've done it. And it, they don't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, they've got some big question marks in terms of, you know, how they're going to be cap compliant next right? year. Right, <laughs> if they're already over in the playoffs. Unless they, just year, like yeah. point, unless they just, like, point at Stamkos and be like, yeah, you're going to sit out the year or something. You know, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, like, it's going to it's gonna be crazy to see. But, like, they've got the they've got the makings of a, of a dynasty in this modern yeah. era, too, similar to Pittsburgh, Chicago, L.A. I mean, they've, they can do it. And it, I think, honestly, and we'll get into this right now, I think I want to get your, your uh, picks for the next round, but – I think Tampa Bay is going to win the Stanley Cup again. I, I think they're going to go back-to-back. But what's your um, – so for the Vegas Golden Knights in Montreal and then the Islanders in the in the Lightning, what are your, your two picks there for uh, who's going to advance to the Stanley Cup final? 
I have a hard time picking because a lot of times I pick with what I want to see versus, you know, what <laughs> what yeah. my brain's telling me. Yeah. But either way, I think like exactly like you said, I think Tampa's just too good. And um Tampa versus Vegas is what I'm gonna go with, and I think Tampa's gonna take it. I don't wanna see either of the also for you know that's a copycat league. I don't wanna see either Montreal or or the Islanders to advance to the the finals there because you know that they're, everyone's going to be running four lines and and hooking and holding and, <laughs> and obstructing if it goes that way. Um, I'm cheering for Flurry though. I want Vegas to win the whole thing. I think that would be incredible for him after the whole situation with him having to leave Pittsburgh, um, which was still the right move by the GM at the time, but still it was tough to see. I'd love to see him win one over in Vegas, and that would be unbelievable for a franchise that just started a couple years ago to go all the way. Yeah, and, and from Vegas' perspective, man, Pete DeBoer, their coach, I wanted to point this out. I think this is his third straight year he's been in the conference final. Yep. Uh, he, he, went to the, he went to the Stanley Cup final with San Jose when the Penguins beat them. Uh, he went to the uh, conference final, obviously, two years ago and then this year. So it, it's it's crazy you know, what they've been able to do out there. And I don't know if you listened to my episode last week, Ray. I'm, I, so I, I like Marc-Andre Fleury as a guy. Um you know he's 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 one of the most I mean just most humble human beings, most deserving human beings. He's I, just likable. I hope he he's wins the positive. Yeah. I hope he wins the Vezina Trophy, um, and he deserves it. I hope you know. I, it's just tough for me to root root for them because like the, the a part of me is just like all these Penguins fans that just like got these, you know they they just they they want Flurry to they they're just rooting for Flurry more than the Penguins and oh like, that's no I mean. Started the second the Penguins got eliminated. That's when I, I was still kind of looking at Colorado them too. I'm just saying of the four teams left, it's not even a question. I'd like to see Vegas win it. Um, you know, I I have no cheering interest in Montreal. There's a bunch of players I hate on that team. I sure as hell don't want to see the Islanders win. So so to me, I mean, who else are you gonna cheer for? Um, also, like just for a casual hockey fan, I think Flurry is arguably the most. Well, the other one who's up there with him is Hasek, but just the most entertaining goalie to watch because he's not good at playing the puck. He's super athletic, and sometimes he drifts out of position. And when you put that together, it is really entertaining to see him flying across the <laughs> crease, just flailing around and yeah. somehow stopping pucks just out of pure will versus positioning, you know? It's yeah, he, he he's um he's so fun to watch and, like, and, and people like, I know my buddies always chirp me. Cause I always say, you know, I was a Matt Murray guy and I thought Murray should have started over flurry. And if, I mean, Murray played well. And I, and like you said, you, you want back to back cups. It was the right call at the time, you know? Yeah. Was, exactly and, what... and to that point, man, today, the day that we're recording this on Friday, this day in history, Matt Murray posted a second consecutive shutout and tied the record for most shutouts in Pe- Pittsburgh Penguins postseason history in just 11 games and posted a Crosby era best 93.7 save percentage yep. in that game. So, I mean, I hope Matt Murray finds his game up up in Ottawa. But, you know, just because I thought they should have kept Matt Murray doesn't mean I, you know, or they should have kept Matt Murray and let Flurry go doesn't mean I don't want Flurry to do well. He He's played unbelievable. I just, I, I really resent the people that are just like, they, they had the revisionist history of like the the people didn't, you know, the Penguins fans in twenty like twenty seventeen through twenty twenty or even twenty sixteen through twenty twenty like people were just like not even about Flurry even before that people oh, wanted yeah. Flurry out of town and then people just forget that it's it's so annoying that 
everyone acts like he's just some hero now. And it, and he was the god, you know, like he people wanted him out of here. And there's no going back and saying that they didn't. People would boo him. People wanted, you know, they had Thomas fucking Vokun. Not to go back to the Boston Bruins series. But he, <laughs> he played in that series. Like It's the same the same people that, that do that are the same ones that, that were trying to suggest that Ty Conklin should have started over him. You know, it's uh <laughs> that's a that's a Pittsburgh sports fan thing. They're I, I love Pittsburgh. I love the people here, how much they care about each other and just like how down to earth everyone is. But but the loud sports fans that you hear at the games that are usually half in the bag and are just obnoxious, they're the same ones that, that blame the easiest player. You know, and the goalie's the easiest person to point at. And <laughs> Yeah, if you don't um, know what the fuck you're talking about, you you blame the goaltender for exactly. everything. So like yeah. I, I have I, I've talked to people, plenty of people that are be like, Oh, if Jury gets beat over the glove high or uh, Murray gets beat glove high. Almost every goal, like eighty percent of the goals in the NHL, either go five hole or high glove. Like that's just the way it is. Like it, 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 the the guys will come down on a two on one, and they'll fucking wire one top shelf off the bar and in. And they'll be blaming the goaltender. It's like I mean, I, I don't want to get into all that because people that, another that just thing don't too, want these hockey, are, these don't are the watch same, hockey. Oh yeah, they're the same people that say you're gonna blow up the team here. You know they're terrible. It's like. No, we've won three Stanley Cups in 10 years. That's unbelievable in a cap era, you know? That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absurd. We're so spoiled. You can't win the Stanley Cup every year. There's a lot of other really good teams, and it seems that, like, there's just boneheads don't get that. It frustrates me. Yeah, it drives me nuts, man. It drives me nuts. But uh, the other story, I wanted to talk about a couple stories in the NHL real quick before we pivot over to wrestling. Um Evgeny Malkin, man. Evgeny Malkin, he had a um, knee surgery, so we knew he was a little bit banged up in the playoffs. He got banged up the last couple games of the season there, and he's had knee surgery, his second major knee surgery since 2011 where he had his MCL repaired. I wanted to get your take, Ray, on, like, what do you do with Evgeny Malkin in terms of a, a contract extension? What do you think, you know, he should get, you know, based on like his his career or what you think in the future like what are you thinking in terms of him getting a a a contract going forward here i think for for the you know the penguins core i think you know hextall has to kind of do his best to see if he can re-sign everyone maybe on shorter year or two contracts with the same salary they have now um i just think at this point you know that evgeny's Biggest production years are probably behind him. So I'm hoping that he'll be happy with taking the same salary. Um, people that are asking now at this point for them to trade them when they're 34 just doesn't make any sense. You're yeah, not what gonna are you going to get? Gonna get? Return. What are yeah, you going to get? Exactly. But if you can kind of convince them to stay on that same salary and be able to work around it and be able to compete every year, I think that's that's really the best bet in kind of the twilight of their careers. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 um, I know that Evgeny Malkin, from what I've heard and what I've read, you know, he's – been in contact with Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux basically said, you know what, we're going to take care of you, no problem, don't worry about it, we're not going to ship you out of town, you'll be a penguin for life. And that's pretty much what everybody's been expecting since Lemieux said that 10 years ago when he said he never wanted to have that happen again after they had to trade Yarmir Yager due to financial yep. reasons. And from what everyone's saying and what Rob Rossi, who's really close to Evgeny Malkin, has been saying, Malkin, before his knee injury, 
was open to taking a three-year deal at six to six and a half million a year, which I think is really manageable. I mean, he's taking a hometown discount. He could definitely get. I mean, he if he wanted to, he could get like nine, ten million again, yep. really from anywhere. And I know there's a rumor swirling around right now, um, and every year really, of him going to Florida to play for the Florida Panthers because his family lives down there. I mean, who the fuck wouldn't want to live in Sunrise or Miami, Fort Lauderdale area? It's really nice, but I mean, Malkin's not going anywhere. He's not going down there. And uh, he wants to be a Penguin for life, I think, and he wants to play with Crosby for the rest of his career. So, I I think they'll get a you know get a deal done. But three years, it'll be interesting to see how you know how he comes back off of his uh, knee injury. And I think, you know, I, I from what Rob Rossi said, man, he's going to be out till November, or December. So I don't think there'll be any uh, signing before then. I think they'll probably just wait and see how he plays and how he's feeling and what he's thinking. And, you know, maybe not do a three-year deal. Maybe they do a one- or a two-year deal. Um, but I don't see him going anywhere else, and I don't see Chris Letang going anywhere else either. I could see Letang getting a three-year deal. Um, Letang's been great, man. He was great in 2016, obviously, oh, yeah. and he was just as good in 2016 as he was this year. Like I, I thought he was our best player in the playoffs this year. He was I agree. Incredible. He was absolutely I agree. incredible. He looked, he looked like when he was a little younger, when he was, you know, the, the longer he played, the better he skated. Just good in all situations. You don't get rid of a guy like that. There's there's very few people in the league who can do what he can do. Yeah, a thousand percent, man. He and he's such a like a freak uh, physically, like just oh, his yeah. conditioning and his training yeah. and everything. Like he can definitely do what he what he's been uh, been doing for the last decade. He can do it for a couple more years. Just you know, he he eats minutes, man. He eats minutes. He's he could play easily thirty minutes a night. Um, and anybody that really hates on Chris Letang, like, yeah, he turns the puck over. But if you if you're on the ice for thirty minutes a night, dude, and you got the puck on your stick like <laughs> you're, you're forty, fifty percent of the time, you're gonna you're have turnovers. Against, and you're playing against the other team's really good players. That's gonna happen. And Not you're gonna only notice, that, man. you're gonna notice him more because he's always on the ice versus your sixth a defenseman thousand, who gets six minutes of the night. You know, <laughs> it's like a thousand percent, dude. And and if you look at the t- the um, players with the most giveaways in the NHL. Some of the best players. In, yeah, the best they have the puck the they're all the time. Yep. Yep. Obviously, a guy like Zach Aston Reese is going to have two giveaways in the season because he never has the puck. <laughs> exactly. But if Chris Letang or Crosby or Malkin have the puck constantly, the way the giveaways are, are, are given in the NHL It bounces off your knee and lands on someone else's stick, and that's a giveaway, depending yeah, on the dude, way I used to play. Yeah. I used to play with uh, my buddies all the time. We play EASHL or Eshel, as we call it, on uh, NHL 21. And dude, I like I, I would have the puck the whole time, but I I'd literally have like forty giveaways a game, but I'd have four or five goals. It's like that's just the way it is, you know. You have the puck a lot or bounces off you, whatever the case is. It's just it's the way it goes, man. I I hope they I hope they sign Evgeny Malkin to at least like a one or two year deal. Yep. Um, I think they'll re-sign Chris Letang as well, and you know we'll see what happens if if i don't think Malkin will play for anybody else but maybe after that one or two year deal he'll he'll go over to the KHL or he'll retire or whatever the case is but um you know you will see but i think we should pivot over now man to uh some some wrestling talk and i wanted to get your take just real quick on AEW man i i know we talked about AEW the last couple of times you've been on and i i know we haven't really been keeping up with it and watching it too much with you know the playoffs going on in the NHL and all that stuff but so whenever they first came out, you know, new promotion, Tony Khan, who's the uh, promoter, he's the son of Shad Khan, I think, who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, and right. 
and he, him and Chris Jericho, who was their first big signing, basically. Their, well, I don't know if he was their first signing, but he was their most like famous signing or the most Biggest well-known guy. name, yeah. Correct. So they they were on a radio show, and they said they didn't want to hire ex you know WWE guys. They wanted to hire new, fresh talent. Like, what's your take on on AEW kind of like changing course on that? And like, they're hiring everybody that WWE lets go. Like they they've hired Mark Henry. They've hired Big Show. Like it, 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 it's and that's their announced team, which is crazy. Their announced team is bigger than their actual wrestling roster. It's just like, it, I wonder what your take is as a AEW, you know, wrestling fan, and Omega fan, and those, you know, that kind of thing. Like, what's your what's your take on that? Because it so, seems like they're kind of doing a one eighty almost. You know what I mean? So for me, it looks like they're trying to build for something in the future. Right now. Um, you know, hopefully we'll talk about expansion drafts sometime soon. And, and it's almost like that. You know, they started off with a two-hour TV show, and now they have all these little... And like you said, I mean, I'm not keeping up with it as much as I, I normally would just because, you know, playoff hockey takes <laughs> number one priority, and then I got a bunch of other stuff going on this <laughs> right. year. Um, but so, yeah, they're an announced team, but they, I don't think they've been either of them have been on TV at all or much, if, if, if at all, at any, you know... Um, I think they're setting up a couple different shows. I'm wondering if this whole TNA angle is going to be in some kind of kayfabe. AEW is going to buy that and make that a second show and kind of combine the rosters. I don't know, but I think there's something coming in the future that will explain why they're signing all these people. If not, it makes no sense whatsoever because they only have two hours of primetime TV that, that's, you know, unless you're a hardcore fan, that's all you're going to watch. You're not going to watch uh, – shows that are on at random times or on YouTube. Um, right. It almost seems like they have too many people signed now for the two hours a day, especially if <laughs> uh, so, you know, one of the, the criticisms for AW that I actually agree with is it's, it, there's a little bit of uh, nepotism going on. Well, I guess that's, that's the wrong word. That's for when it's, when it's someone in your family, but there's people that have been friends with some of the EVPs who are getting, Way too much TV time whenever someone like Jungle Boy that you mentioned you really like just isn't on for a couple weeks in a row. They almost need a second show now to deal with all of that. Um, so I, I, I didn't hear that thing about them not wanting to sign a bunch of WWE talents. But at the same time, if someone really good gets uh, gets cut, I wouldn't mind them showing up in AEW under the right circumstance. Uh, not that they're all going to be hits like... Yeah, I don't. I don't know how how deep you want to go into this, but I think both Miro and Christian have been unbelievably boring since they came over as kind of WWE people who got let loose. Um, I don't want to see that all the time to show have the show be a you know WWE light because part of the thing I like about it is they're coming up with all kinds of new creative things and showing me some people I've never seen before. I, I can't answer that fully yet, so we'll just go with the you know it's hard to say, mate. Um. <laughs> <laughs> dude like what, what you said with miro like he's boring. been god he's boring yeah but like he they're starting to book him a little bit better like kind of how he was with as rusev in in uh wwe where like he's more of a dominant monster type guy when he came in he was like the best man for you know i don't even know who the hell he was what the even best man was for. that it made no sense yeah I think I, that, that's you know i think a lot of a lot of people on the internet criticize the WWE for overproducing and writing for everyone. And that's definitely true in certain cases. You know, a guy like 
Kevin Owens, who's just an unbelievable promo, shouldn't ever have someone writing for him. But then you see someone like Miro, and it was pretty clear when he came to AEW, they're like, all right, go ahead, do whatever you come up with. And the best thing he came up with was, I'm some guy's best man, and I like video games. It just makes no sense, you know? Yeah, he was like, wearing, like, a Mickey Mouse T-shirt, like, when he came out. Like, his debut was just so doing? boring. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I didn't like it at all. And honestly, you know, the whole, the whole thing, like, with them hiring um, WWE guys, I, I understand it. But it, they have it, it. Almost reminds me, man. Like I feel like they're dangerously getting close to what WCW was in their in their death. You know, the, whenever they were dying, it's like they're just throwing this guaranteed money, this big money at people, and they're really not doing anything to anything to promote them. You know what I mean? Like they're not doing anything to promote these guys. Like they're, they, it just it just seems like. They're just trying to collect hockey cards almost. It's like a, you know what I mean? They're like trying to yeah. collect all stars and like these big name guys. And, and I get it. And like you said, you didn't hear them say that about, you know, not trying to get uh, old, you know, wrestlers or old WWE guys or whatever the case is. They wanted fresh stars, but that's what they said from the beginning. And now they're changing. Now, I understand your point. You know, if it's a guy that's a great, you know, uh, talent or somebody that WWE doesn't want to, you know, use anymore. Like, say, Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman just got released. Is yeah. Braun Strowman going to go to AEW? I don't know. If Braun Strowman goes to AEW, he's probably, like, outside of the commentators, like Big Show and Mark Henry. He's probably <laughs> he's three times as there. big as everybody oh, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah it's like who Who's he going to work with? Who's yeah. he going to work with if he goes there? So you almost feel bad because um, WWE, they, they put all the territories out of business. There's nowhere else to go. You can go to TNA and you can make – you know, chump change. You can go to AEW and make a lot of money, but you won't have anybody to work with if you're Braun Strowman. So it's not that Braun Strowman won't go back to WWE. I don't, you know, he he very well may in the future, but like, it's just crazy. Like, I, I you know, I'm I'm just interested to see how they how they deal with these guys. Like you said, Christian and and um, you know Miro or Rusev or potentially if they sign anybody else. The biggest. Uh, you know, person at AEW that I like the most is um, Pittsburgh's own Doctor Britt Baker. Oh, she's incredible! I love she's Britt incredible. Baker. She's DMD man. She's a dentist, which is crazy. She actually still works she as still a dentist. She still practices. Ooh, that's, that's the Pittsburgh in her, you know. Oh yeah, dude. Exactly. I guarantee she's your parents are like, listen, I know you're the champion now, but uh, you went all that dental school. Don't waste that money. It's important. You know? <laughs> exactly, dude. Which is pretty crazy because she was on Mark Madden's show in Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago and talking about that. It was pretty funny how she was like, yeah, I'm actually at the office right now. I'm in between appointments. And she's the <laughs> Call, AEW Women's World Champion. Calling into the super genius. Yeah. Yeah, she's the AEW Women's World Champion. And I wanted to get your take just real quick, too, on uh, how petty WWE is. So after Britt Baker, I don't know if you saw this, Ray, but after Britt Baker won the AEW Women's Championship, well, she deserves it. She's great. Um, probably the best women's wrestler AEW has. And it's pretty crazy because she's actually uh, dating Adam Cole, who's, yep. um, you know, an NXT. One of, one of the best wrestlers that WWE has, yeah. Yeah, he's one of the best wrestlers in NXT and probably one of the best wrestlers and performers and promos um, in the Period. business altogether, yep. yeah. Um, but they actually posted on social media a video of Nia Jax, who's absolutely a buffoon, dude. She hurts everybody she wrestles. But uh, basically, Britt Baker doing a job for Nia Jax, just getting squashed like five or six years ago, whatever it was, whenever she was on Raw. And I just thought it was so petty. Like, WWE's like, yeah, the AEW World Champion got squashed here. 
Especially because like, they, they kept using Britt Baker after Adam Cole won a couple years ago. They kept showing her reaction from the crowd. They had no problem putting that on the WWE Network, but then, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it's classic WWE, you Tom know. Tom Petty. Yeah, Tom Petty bullshit. Petty and- LaBelle. Petty Mercury, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, I, I, you know, I, I feel bad um, for WWE that they have to stoop to that. That, you know, they have to, you know, shit on uh, Britt Baker winning the AEW Women's Title. But I, Petty I, Guerrero, <laughs> I love that you're still coming up <laughs> <Sorry>. with these. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see Britt Baker get a nice run here. The the pride of Pittsburgh. She's really the only hope Pittsburgh's got left. Man, the Penguins have been losing. The Pirates are horrible. The Steelers got no chance this year. And Britt Baker, she's the AEW Women's Champion. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about to you, Ray, on the podcast is I don't know how much TV you watch, but have Not you watched uh, Dave? At all. Have you watched? I have watched Dave actually. Yeah. So Dave, it's the story of uh, like it's not a story of Little Dicky, but Little Dicky directs it and produces it and writes it. He's a rapper. He's he's a you know an unbelievable talent. He's a good actor. He's funny. He's a comedian. He's a rapper. He's he's a hell of a he's rapper. A, he's too. an entertainer. He's an yeah, entertainer. Great entertainer. But his uh, new show, or I guess the new season of his show, Dave, which is his real name, but it's it's fucking hilarious. It's on FX. It's on Hulu. If you have it. Um, if you don't have it, you should get it and check it out. It's awesome. It, the season two debuts on June sixteenth, which awesome. I think is this upcoming Wednesday, maybe. If my if my dates are right, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yep, yep, that's Wednesday. Yep. So definitely check that out, and uh, you know, that's it, one of my favorite shows. I loved it. I I that, don't know anybody that's that didn't like that show. That third episode it. of season one was one of the most hilariously awkward things I've ever seen in my life. But the. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much details, but just if you watch it, The Milking Table, you know exactly what I'm talking yep, about. Yep, yep, The Milking oh Table, and I was going to say, don't give it away. Don't give away the ending. <laughs> the first season had one of the best endings to a season ever, and I think yep. the second season is going to be great. So I can't wait to watch that. But, uh, dude, Ray, man, I can't I, I can't thank you enough. It's been awesome. It's been uh, a blast having you on again, and I think the listeners are really going to enjoy it. They always do. They always reach out to me and say, you know, you and Ray have great chemistry. So appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me again, brother. We'll talk soon. For sure. So I appreciate the hell out of you guys listening. Um, Have a great week. And remember, if I don't see you around here, I'll see you around here. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train coming. It's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down to San Antonio When I was just a baby My mama told me, son Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns But I shot a man in Reno Just to watch him die When I hear that whistle blowing I hang my head out